Hey everyone, I'm Pastor Nick Tarter. I want to thank you for listening to the New Covenant Fellowship Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Bethany, Oklahoma, learning what it looks like to be in Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did, so that our world can be saturated with the good news and the good works of Jesus. We invite you to join us on this journey, and we hope that this content will help you to grow to be the person God created you to be. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 6, so if you turn your Bibles... We're going to go ahead and read this passage, and then we're going to jump into this a little bit. Here's what the Word says, starting in verse 20. Then looking up up at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, because the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, because you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, because you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, and slander your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and keep uh, and leap for joy. Take note, your reward is great in heaven. For this is the way their ancestors used to treat the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your comfort. Woe to you who are now full, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are now laughing, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for this is the way their ancestors used to treat the false prophets. This is God's word. Can we give him praise for his word this morning? Let's let's just give God a thank you for giving us his word. Amen. There there are um, a lot of things here. Some of it's easier to receive. Some of it's more difficult to receive. And maybe a lot of it will depend on your posture this morning as to how well you're going to receive this message. But before we start, I just feel that we need to pray. Um, this morning, I, I just had a sense that we just need to really contend for, you know, for the Lord's presence this morning. Uh, you know, this morning started out with some distractions, even just setting up and getting ready, and I can always tell the devil wants to unhinge things. And so um, let, let's just pray right now for the Lord's presence to be here. And I would encourage you to, if anyone in this room came into this place and you have some unconfessed, unrepented of sin that you need to deal with before you can even hear God this morning, find Pastor Dwight or Pastor Richard over here and just confess your heart to them and, and let them pray for you. The um, um, Bible says that we're to confess our sins to one another, right? So if that's something you need to do, let's prepare our hearts to receive from the Lord this morning. We desire your presence, Lord. God, expose us where we don't desire you. Lord, do we come into this place and do we just go through a series of emotions and, 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 and is it just sort of commonplace to come to church? Or, or, Lord, do we want your presence? Do we desire your presence this morning? God, do we desire your word? Do we desire to hear from you? as much as we desire a drink of water when we're thirsty. Lord, open us up this morning. Show us what's true in us. Lord Jesus, come and be with us. We invite you this morning to be here. Holy Spirit, fill us, God. Spirit, those who are... uh, who are already believers, they've already received Christ, and yet they've been living their lives on the margins of Christianity. And 
Sometimes our lives look more like the world than they do a Christian life. Lord, Lord, fill us with the Spirit so that's not true. Help us to walk in step with the Spirit this morning, even as we approach the Word. We need you this morning, Lord. We desperately need you. We cannot receive from you this morning if you do not work in us. So, Lord, and I also want to pray for myself this morning that you would help me to hear clearly what you've been saying and to proclaim clearly what you once said this morning to our church, that we could grow in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I titled today's sermon, Leading Our Families to Live the Blessed Life, because the reality is the majority of people in this world are not living a blessed life. And when we talk about the blessed life, I'm talking about these characteristics Jesus laid out of a blessed person here in, in Luke chapter 6. And there's a mirror of this in Matthew as well. Uh, and, and they take a couple of different tracks, and I'll get into some of the reasoning for that here in a little bit. But, but before we do that, I, I, I want to point out that some of the greatest war heroes, and really some of the greatest heroes of all time, have been medics. Uh, I'm always impressed by army medics, and, and Pastor Richard, by the way, back here, you know, he, uh, Richard was, uh, was, was a medic. He worked um, in the military. He got to check all the guys in who got drafted, and, um, but, but there's something about somebody who says, you know, I don't really care about my own well-being. I'm going to go jump into the mess and the muck and the nasty, and I'm going to pull somebody out of that. And that's what medics do. You know, a lot of medics aren't even armed. Or if they are, they carry a pistol. Pistol's not going to do much when you're on a battlefield, you know? I mean, I, I'm, I'm grateful for, for, uh, for like home defense pistols, but, but I'm telling you, if I'm going out on a battlefield, I want a rifle. I want a good one, too. Preferably one that is automatic. In fact, I want, I want like, an, I want like a, a, an Uzi or an AK or something. That's what I want if I'm going out into battle. But a medic runs out onto the battlefield in the face of fire and tries to drag as many wounded soldiers back as he possibly can. Sometimes they have to field treat them right there with fire, with, with uh, bullets whizzing past their heads. And they do whatever they can to take a life that is in danger and vulnerable. And they try to get that person back to a safe place and then back to health. That's what a medic does. He puts himself in danger on purpose so that someone who's vulnerable can have life. It's also not a particularly clean job. Those guys' uniforms are soaked with blood and soaked with mud and soaked with vomit, soaked with whatever disease-infested thing you can imagine because they're interacting with people in such a way that they're, they're interacting with all of their brokenness in that moment. And you can probably see where this is going, but of course that's what Jesus is to us, Right? Christ came to save sinners. That's what the Apostle Paul boldly declared in his writing. He said, Christ came to save sinners. And then, of course, he said, of which I am the foremost. I love that. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians of all time, says, of which I am the foremost. By the way, if you ever get a preacher who comes to you 
and are unwilling to admit that they are sinful and broken, don't listen to that preacher. All right? Just, just go the other direction. Also, if they're a little too clean and they don't, mark, they don't bear the marks of having been in the battlefield with Jesus trying to drag people out, don't follow that preacher either. Okay? I'm just saying. Uh, some of us are a little too sterile. And anyway, I'm not going to go into much detail on that. But, but, uh, but, but Jesus Christ entered into our brokenness on purpose, okay? He entered into our brokenness on purpose in order to, to grab a hold of as many of us as possible and drag us out and restore us to the place where God the Father created us to be in the first place. No one has ever condescended more than Jesus in the history of, of the world. No one has. He left the throne room of heaven to come down here. Now, I don't know about you guys. I've been living down here for 35 years, and that's been long enough for me to know that if I were in the throne room of heaven, I wouldn't want to be here. This is not where I would want to come. This is a broken and messed up place. There's disease here. There's violence here. There's bigotry here. There's, there's people who have ethnic preferences here. We've been dealing with a, a lot of issues lately as a culture. I mean, I feel really bad for the first responders because we've had this, this coronavirus thing, and now they're all having to like hold back crowds of people who want to throw bricks through windows. And I'm like, what is, I mean, like, I, this is rough. You know, like, it's a hard place to be, and I feel bad for people who are living that right now. And I pray for them, and, and, but I also pray for the hurt and the brokenness that has brought us to this place. But I think it will help us to sort some of this out when we look at these characteristics Jesus Christ laid out. And here's why. Because if we see Christ coming into our world and taking upon himself our brokenness, understand this, we are seeing the heart of God expressed through Jesus. And I also want to remind us that we've been told that we are to be imitators of God. And one other thing, men, have we not been called to spiritually lead our homes? That wasn't loud enough. Men, have we not been called to spiritually lead our homes? Yes, we've been called to spiritually, spiritually lead our homes. And if we've been called to spiritually lead our homes, and we as believers are called to be the type of person that Jesus is, guess who should be the most type of person that Jesus is? You, as the man and the leader of your home. Stand up for your family. Put your own life down and say, I am going to become like Christ, even if it costs me everything. Because you know who needs to see it? Your wife and your children. And, and the people who live around you in your neighborhood, they need to see you be a man of God. And this doesn't only apply to men, by the way. I want to make sure, women, you're not off the hook. Because understand this, if the men have been called to be this way and they're called to lead the home, guess what? If they're called to lead the home, they're called to lead you into that. And that means you're called to be into that as well. And the children are called to follow you and your husband into that. And that is the way that God designed the marriage to work, to be a, 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 a representative of who he is to the world. But it starts with godly men. I do a lot of marriage counseling, pastoral marriage counseling, that is, and I, I've done some pre-marriage counseling and, and a lot of things like that. I've talked with a lot of people, and, and there's a lot of problems out there. Uh, those of us who've been married, we understand this. Um, 
marriage is great, but it can also be a problem, you know? Um, and, and the problem is you get two people who are very different and also very broken and sinful, and you put them together, and it's like a pressure cooker. Something is going to happen, you know? And uh, one of the things I've observed in marriage is that when there's a broken marriage, it, it typically comes back to a man who's not doing his job. And I'm not saying that women don't have uh, any responsibility in that. We all have responsibility. But typically, the, the most marriages that fall apart, it falls apart because men didn't live sacrificially in their home. And, and we've got to recognize that in us. By the way, let's remember Adam blamed his wife, right? It's a problem. And guess what? I blame my wife sometimes. How many of you guys have blamed your wife or blamed your kids or blamed somebody else for some problem when ultimately the buck stops with you because you're the leader of the home? If Adam would have manned up and said, you know what, that was on me, things might have been a little different in the garden. I'm not saying that they wouldn't have still dealt with the curse of sin, but maybe we wouldn't be as far along as we are today if Adam would have immediately repented of his sin right there. But that's not what happened. And we, we wrestle with the passivity of our father Adam, just like, just like he wrestled with that. So let's take a look at these characteristics. And here's what, here's what I want to encourage you with in this, especially men, but women, again, like I said, you're not off the hook, okay? Um, because Eve followed her husband, right? He blamed her and she blamed the serpent and everybody blames everybody. Anyway, that's kind of how it goes in this world. But... Uh, but I want to remind us that it's not okay for us to be passive about these things. We can't blame somebody else for our own problems. We need to look internally and say, hey, I've got to take responsibility for this. So husbands, men, fathers, we've got to take responsibility for these patterns being set in our own home. I can't make my wife follow me. I can't make my kids follow me. But you know, I can be the example God's called me to be. So look at these characteristics. There, there are specifically four things Jesus mentions here. We already read the text. So it's, he says, blessed are the poor. That's not very American, okay, right? I mean, blessed are the poor. Uh, that, that, that really messes with the part of me that really uh, worships the American dream, to be honest with you. Um, because there, I, that is in me. I was raised with that. Part of me thinks, man, that the, the good life is to get rich and to have everything and, you know, to, to have to have a big house and a nice car. Man, I don't know what kind of car I would have, but it would not be the hoopties I normally drive, okay? Um, it would be something really cool. Actually, you guys know probably what it is. It'd be like a Jeep Gladiator pickup or something, but um, I'm, I'm addicted to Jeeps. But, uh, but there's, but you know, like poverty, what is that? Like what is, that's blessed? God says, blessed are the poor. Well, there's two sides to that. I mean, of course, right here we see that Jesus is emphasizing physical poverty in the world. So he's, he's saying, hey, listen, those of you who don't have everything you need in the world, I want you to know it may not seem like it, but you're blessed. But in Matthew, he actually takes it a different direction. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And so I believe there are two things going on here. There's often two things going on in a particular text. But, but I believe that what Jesus is saying is, is, is the poor are blessed because he identifies with their suffering. But also we need to understand that poverty is not just something that we experience physically, but it's also something we can experience uh, spiritually. 
And I think this means that we are to be people who are not satisfied with what this world can give us. We need to be the kind of people, and as men, by the way, as men, we have to set this precedent. Are you satisfied with worldly wealth? Are you, are you comfortable with the lifestyle that you've been given? Now, a lot of us would be like, no, of course not. I don't have enough money. But, but I, believe, I think there probably is a little bit of something in a lot of us that thinks, well, if I just had this, then I'd be satisfied. And so maybe you aren't satisfied now, but you can envision in your mind some period of time in which you've achieved to a certain status in which you would finally be satisfied and it really has to do with material wealth and what God is telling us and what Christ is calling us to here is to understand it's actually those whose minds are in heaven and not in this world that are the blessed ones who understand that there is no amount of there are no amount of riches and wealth on this side of heaven that will ever satisfy us the way that we're going to be satisfied when we're in the presence of the father and so what does that mean? Well, let's see. He said, something, he said something like this at one point, right? Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, right? So what is our job then? Our job is, is this reminds us our job if we want to be, if we want to live like blessed people is to have our hearts and our minds not focus so much on what we can achieve here, but on the gifts that we have in the Father. Seek him. But he also talks about those who are hungry. And what is that? I mean, again, there's two sides to this. One is we know there are people in this world who are hungry. And, and, and I, I, I got to mention with this, mentioning the poor and the hungry, God really identifies with the broken and the marginalized. He really does. He identifies with people who are really struggling. You know, we got to remember, Jesus didn't, he wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a manger. That was on purpose. God could have been born in a, like, he could have had Jesus born in a palace. That would have been possible. That was on the table if God wanted it to be. But instead, he had him born in a manger. Why? Because he wanted him to be, uh, to be identified with the lowliest of the lows. Remember, Jesus said, the least among you is the greatest in the kingdom of God. And so when we take the lowest position in this world, we're actually greater in the kingdom. And so he's saying, hey, the poor and the hungry among you are actually more like kingdom people because they're hungry for something different and something better. They realize they have need. So, of course, Matthew emphasizes spiritual hunger, those who hunger and thirst after God. And, and so I think we need to realize that the hungry are those who have felt their stomach rumble, but also those who hunger for more of God, who know that they need more of God. They don't have enough God in their life right now. And I feel like this is an important question for us today, church. Are you hungry for God? I'll wait a minute on that. I want us to ask this question very honestly. You don't have to answer out loud, okay? But, but I want you to ask this question to yourself. Am I really hungry for God? Is God really what I want more than anything else in this world? Or am I just kind of satisfied with what I got? Jesus said those who are blessed are those who are hungry. And, and, and uh, can I encourage us fathers in the room that... that to quote, remember the Titans, all right? Got to go back to a great film. 
one of my favorite lines in that movie, attitude reflect leadership. Attitude reflect leadership. Here's the thing. If we're looking at our homes and we wonder why our family is spiritually lazy, we might have to start asking our, the question, is it me as a dad? Am I, just, am I not hungering after God enough? But I think we have to be honest about that before we can move forward on it. Then the third thing he says, blessed are those who weep. Blessed are the weeping people. Well, who are these? These are those who are broken over the state of this world. Now, i got a lot to say on this right now. I don't have enough time to say it all. But we all know that this world is not okay. But here's the question. Are we okay that it's not okay? We all know this world's a broken and messed up place. Listen, I've been watching some of the news, although I've been trying not to watch very much of it lately. It's frustrating, but I've been watching some of the news. I've been reading news articles. Every morning, my wife and I say, hey, Google, good morning. And this is recent because we got a Google mini thing. And it, then it tells us the news for the day, which is really cool because I'm like, hey, I'm in the know now, you know. Um, that's nice. And I didn't just get my news from Facebook. Um, and it's probably a good thing. But, uh, but it starts telling me all these stories, and this place is messed up. There's a lot of hurting people. Are we, are we hurting with the hurting? I, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was the junior one. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, rioting is the voice of the unheard. And, and by the way, those of us who know anything about Dr. King know he didn't condone rioting, by the way. He, was a, he, he wanted a biblical solution. He believed in, um, that, that we should be um, nonviolent in approach to protesting and things like that. But he understood something. He understood that sometimes people get to the point in their lives where they have been unheard for so long that all they have left is to lash out. I've had uh, this experience in marriage before. Let's go back to marriage where uh, my wife asked me to do something. And I said, yeah, I'll get to that. And then I, <clears throat> I forgot. And then it happened the next day. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. And I forgot. By the third or the fourth day, she's not happy with me. You, under, you understand what I'm saying? And, and, some, and maybe... She might shut the door a little harder or something like that. And, and then I'm like, oh, then I realize what I did. I have brought her to such a point of frustration that now she's angry. And now the only way she knows how to get my attention is to slam a door. Um, not good. I don't like getting, because then I realize it was my fault, right? Hang on, this thing has to recognize my face. Anyway, um, I realize it was my fault. And... Uh, I, this, guys, this is why you should print your notes, by the way. Hey, look, it's me. Welcome me, okay? Um, anyway, now it's not doing it. I'll figure it out. Uh, so, but, but the reality is when, when you get to that point, by the time you've got to that point, it's, it's, then it takes a lot more work to get back to a point of reconciliation. It takes a lot more work because you're, the other person's entirely exasperated. They're, they're done. 
think there needs to be a lot more weeping over the brokenness in this world, a lot more identifying with it. I'm not saying that, that, that we should... Um, I'm not saying that we should be okay with some of the things that are going on, but I do think that as, as men, like, do we weep over the brokenness of this world? I read a story. There's a guy, a really faithful Christian brother, by the way. His name's Eric Mason. He pastors in uh, Philadelphia. Um, incredible guy. He's also an African-American pastor and and, 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 and he told the story about how, like, he actually is fearful, and he has to, like, he has to go back to the Lord about this on a regular basis. He's like, he, what he said, his exact words were, I'm afraid my kids could be the next hashtag of the Black Lives Matter movement. Because there is some brokenness in our culture that needs to be dealt with. And I thought, you know, I don't, that, that experience isn't mine. Like, that's not my story. But he's my brother in Christ, and then, like, I wept for like two hours when I read this story because like, like, I tried to put myself into, the, into his shoes and I, I just realized like, like that is not okay. It's just not okay. And, and I'm a father and I care for my children. And, and I, how would I feel if that was my, that's how I had to think about my own children. The reason I'm saying this is because men, men of God, Jesus said, blessed are those who weep are we broken about the brokenness of this world that we live in? And are we leading our families to be broken over the brokenness of this world? A kingdom mindset is not okay with unequal balances and, and with brokenness that we see around this world. And I think what hurts God should hurt us. And so while this is not a whole sermon about about. Uh, race in America, what this is is a sermon about fathering. And it's a sermon about being people who are modeled after the heart of God. And Jesus says, blessed are those who weep. And he is specifically talking about the brokenness of this world when he says, blessed are you who weep. And in Jesus' day, there was plenty of brokenness too. And there's plenty of brokenness today. And one of the things that God wants to bring our attention to is that God is not okay with the way this world is. But he left his church here and he gave us the Holy Spirit so this world can be a little bit better. So that kingdom people can stand up and say, this is what God has said and let's go here with God instead of living in the place where we currently are. Which leads us to the fourth thing because Jesus said, blessed are you when people hate you. Now I, I had to chew on this quite a bit because this is a, this is a really difficult thing for us to wrap our minds around, partially because not many people like to be disliked, right? I like to be liked. I'm sure you guys like to be, dis you guys like to be liked. But Jesus said, blessed are you when people hate you on account of me, specifically on account of me. Now we have to, we have to make that point of distinction because there are also some people who are just contrarians in this world who are just like, I like to start arguments and that's not what we're talking about here. It's when people hate you because you follow Christ. So what that means is sometimes we, by the way, the church is called to be prophetic. You may, may or may not have the gift of prophecy, but can I, can I just say that the church is called to be prophetic? 
which means you have prophetic things to say into the culture. And by the way, just because you don't have the gift of prophecy doesn't mean you can't hear the voice of the Lord. Okay? Not everybody sits in the office of a prophet. Nobody, not everybody has the special gift of a prophet, but you're all prophetic in some way because you have the Holy Spirit and He speaks to you. And you have the Scriptures and He illuminates the Word of God to you. And so then we are called as the church to speak a prophetic word into the culture even if it's not something that is going to be particularly well received. And I feel like this is important for us to say because um, there are far too many believers who just fall in line with what's popular in the world. And that's not prophetic. And I'm going to say something that might frustrate some people. I'm kind of okay with that. But, um, but listen, if, if we are entirely sold out to the Republican ideology or entirely sold out to the Democrat ideology, something might be wrong. Because we are called by Jesus to have a kingdom ideology. And I guarantee you the kingdom has things to say. The gospel of the kingdom has things to say to either side that is going to offend people. And so when I'm a Christian, I'm not particularly at home in any worldly camp. Now I can align myself more tightly to one side or the other depending on what I feel like is the most right at the time. But I really shouldn't be 100% sold out to any human institution. It's the kingdom of God. And, and so here's what I have. I think we have prophetic things to say to our world that might offend either side of that spectrum. It's going to offend the culture. When we come trying to bring the peace of Christ and nobody wants to have peace with anybody else. It's going to offend the culture when we lay our lives down for somebody that others don't like because that's what Jesus does. It's going to offend the culture when we call out the bad sexual ethic, which, by the way, has infiltrated both sides of the political spectrum. Australian pastor Mike, Mark Sayers once said, Tender is the perfect example of this. Now, some of you don't know what this is. Don't go looking for it. It's an app that people are using nowadays. A lot of young people to find dates, but <clears throat> let me just say a lot of those dates appear to be very inappropriate. Um, let's say they're not centered on the Lord, okay? So, um, but, but he says, tender is the perfect example. It's a marriage of capitalism with a liberal sexual ethic. And so here you have the desire to sell whatever I want to. I have the right to do that. But then you can sleep with whoever you want to, and that's okay too. And here they are coming together in one place. And I'm going to be honest with you, most people I know today, even conservatives that are around my age and younger, have a liberal sexual ethic. And so what I'm saying is our world is messed up and broken on either side. And we have to realize if we speak prophetically into the world, we may not be liked by anybody except for hopefully the church. Hopefully the church will love you. But, but when, you, when we speak a prophetic word, it's going to sting to people who are in the world. If they don't know Jesus, they're not, and it may sting to some Christians if they need to repent. And as fathers, it is our job to model this in our homes of, of saying, listen, I'm going to speak the truth of Christ no matter what it costs me in this world. We're going to stand up for Jesus no matter what it costs us as a family. 
Maybe the thing that Joshua said, said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't care what this country says. I don't care what one political party or another says. I'm going to serve the Lord, and I'm, going to, I'm not going to tow the party line. I'm going to tow the kingdom line, and if that offends somebody, I'm okay with that. And that's true of politics. It's true of anything in this world. It's true at work when you're asked to do something that is dishonest. It's true in any circumstance. Politics is just really easy to pick on right now because I'm on Facebook too much. But anyway, um, but ultimately, those of us who are blessed are those who have rejected the ways of our first father, Adam. In other words, we're not choosing to seek our own self-service, but rather we're choosing to seek Jesus. And do you understand that's what all of this is about? All of these are postures that turn us away from self and towards God and other people. Remember what Jesus said, the greatest commandment? When he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those things fulfill the law and the prophets. In fact, if you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four are about loving God, and the, and the, the last six are about loving your neighbor. And if you think about it, it, when we're made in the image of God, we humans are made in the image of God, when I'm loving someone else, I'm actually glorifying God in that. I'm saying the image of God in you is infinitely valuable. So I want to elevate you as a person. I want to lift you up as a person. That's important. If there's anything that I can say today about the fathering heart of God, to encourage us as the fathers in the room and the mothers in the room, and those who don't have children, and all of us. It's this, that, that what we're called to be is a people who are practicing repentance, and that means turning away from self and sin and towards God and towards other people. And that's why Jesus says the blessed are those who aren't seeking after their own well-being, but seeking after the well-being of others. And that's what it means to be poor, to be hungry, to be one who weeps and to be one who is hated because it means that you are a person who's turned away from self and towards God and others. And you're out of sync with the way this world thinks and that's why people don't like you. That's why Christians are oftentimes hated is because we're out of sync with pop culture. And pop culture is a thing that existed before the Beatles, by the way. Okay? Um, Pop culture has always existed. What's the popular culture of the day? Well, Christianity is almost always opposed to that because it always has a prophetic word that is against the popular thoughts of the culture at large. And so just real quick as we, as we prepare to close, I want to mention the four, cursed, the, the four uh, characteristics of the curse because they're the exact opposite. They're not poor, but they're rich. In other words, they're satisfied with what they can get in this world. They're not hungry, they're full, they're content and not really striving after anything outside of their own pleasure. They're not weeping, but they're laughing. In other words, they're acting like everything is okay in this world. They're apathetic towards brokenness and suffering. And they're well-liked. In other words, they're well-liked by the world because they're just like the world. The world has no reason to hate somebody who's just like the world. So... I'm going to mention this again because it's so important. The way of Adam is to seek after self-satisfaction, fulfillment in this world. 
rather than seeking God first. This always is going to lead us to selfishness and ruin over time. But we've got to reject the way of our first father, Adam. And we've got to teach our children to do the same. Fathering is about actively modeling for our children what it likes to live our lives, not in the way of Adam, but in the way of Christ. And teaching them the truth of the gospel so that they can walk in it. It's our job as fathers and parents in general to set a precedent for the blessed life in our home with our children, with one another. we got to be their example. And I want to encourage you parents, you are the primary disciple makers of your children. You set the foundation that they're going to live the rest of their life on. And, and, and I mean, I've seen the impact of that on my own life, being taught the scriptures, being taught the word. My parents are here. I don't want to get them too puffed up. But, um, but, but look, you know, I, always, I joke about having a drug problem because my mama drugged me to church every Sunday when I was a kid. I mean, she drugged me to church every Sunday. And, and, and guess what? I praise God for that. You know why? Because I know my Bible. I know to trust the Word, and I know to seek God. And it's because of that foundation, by the way, that, that the Holy Spirit was able to use the Word to draw me back to Him when I wondered, my heart was wandering from Him. We set this foundation for our children of pursuing God and seeking Him. We set it as parents. And, and, and fathers, it's our primary responsibility. It doesn't mean it's not our wives and the moms. It doesn't mean you don't have a responsibility. And I realize that some homes don't have a father. And, and, and by the way, men of the church, it's our job to step in where there aren't fathers as well. But, but we have to set the precedent of dying to ourselves to live to Christ. And not living the way this world calls us to live. So maybe, well, we probably better clarify how we're going to do this. And I just have a few things. And, and these, are, these are four things I, I, I really sense from the Lord are important for us to do to set the precedent. One is that we lead our families to seek God relentlessly. And this involves prayer that God would give us the heart. It involves prayer that we'd be full of the Holy Spirit so that we could lead well. And it involves engaging God's Word. The Bible doesn't call this the sword of the Spirit for nothing, right? We've got to engage the Word because it has the power to transform us and to lead us into all truth. Uh, I believe one of the best ways you can practice hearing God's voice is to be in the Bible. You start to learn what God's voice sounds like, and before you know it, you start to hear the Holy Spirit a lot better when He speaks to you. Even with, you know, like, I'll just be walking along sometimes, I just hear something like, that wasn't me, that sounded like God. And I write it down, and I have to pray over it. But it starts with knowing God's Word. Um, I, I would encourage us to speak honestly about brokenness in this world. To be broken over what God is broken about. So have that conversation in the home so that we can be a weeping people. 
And not only about what's in this world, but also what's broken in our own lives. We need a sense of vulnerability and to share what sin we struggle with and how God is overcoming that in our own hearts. Uh, I would encourage us to love others sacrificially, both in the home and beyond. If you can't love your own family, you're not going to love anyone else well. So we have to set a precedent of love in our homes. And dads, again, it starts with us. And moms, it starts with us. It starts with us loving sacrificially in the home. Loving one another in the marriage and our children. And, and then this fourth one is, I would encourage us to stand up for those who are silent, oppressed, and marginalized. In our world, the reason why a lot of times the foolish voices are the loudest is because the wise don't speak loudly enough. And I would encourage us to lift our voices. When you see something dumb on social media, say something about it. When, when, you, when you hear a friend saying something that's out of step with the kingdom of God, be like, hey, there's a better way than this. Say something about it. Let's be vocal about what God has taught us. We were created for God's glory, and Jesus made it possible for us to live for the glory of God. And now it's up to us to work with the Holy Spirit to flesh out this gift that Jesus Christ has given us. I encourage us again as men that we are called not only to live this way for ourselves, but we're called to live this way so that our families will be led by our example. Can we be encouraged and receive what God is saying this morning? Church, can we receive what God is saying this morning? Here's what we're going to do. I want to pray. And, uh, and uh, I'm going to invite you know, Pastor Dwight or Pastor Richard, if either of you have anything the Lord's saying, I'm going to invite you to come. But we're going we're to respond to the Lord this morning. Because I, I think we need to pray more than anything. I really think we need to pray. And I want to give us an opportunity to pray for other people and also to be prayed for. Because I have a sense that there's a great spirit of apathy in this culture today. And the only way to break that is for the Holy Spirit to come in and, and, and to bust it up. And so um, if you want to receive more of God's power in your life this morning to overcome sin, to, to be the kind of person who's poor in spirit, who, who's hungry after God, who's, who's weeping for the brokenness in the, in the world, and, and who's not particularly liked by people because you're like Jesus so much, if you want to become more of that kind of person, you need to be full of the Holy Spirit. We want to pray for you this morning. Okay? And, and maybe you need to receive Jesus for the first time. We want to pray for you too. And maybe you need healing. We want to pray for you as well. So um, as soon as we conclude, we're going to move to a time of prayer. You've been listening to the New Covenant Fellowship Sermon Podcast. If God spoke to you or if you'd like us to pray for you, you can email Pastor Nick directly at Nick at newcovenantokc.org. If you'd like more information about our church, you may visit us on the web at newcovenantokc.org. We can't wait to hear from you.